Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going the power of Christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past Christmas Eve uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show now the good news is she is not hurt physically the bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well and she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can you know get back to selling merch and get out there performing and what I'm gonna do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it so this is on her GoFundMe page hey y'all so I got carjacked I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show comedy is now the majority of my income so my car was very very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down and as I mentioned before Tata Sharice is a friend of mine I've worked with her before she is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent and I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet get back on the road and get back to doing what she does best so from now until the GoFundMe page is completed I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. Uh, we had a little bit of a break last week, but this week we are back with our NFL Week in Review. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining us as always, the one, the only, the NFL exporter himself, Mr. Lance Goodman. Lance, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, and Happy New Year. Uh, first uh, show kicking in 2023. Uh, how was your holiday season? Everything go well over into the new year? Uh, yeah, mostly just uh, hung out with some friends over the weekend. We're just uh, you know hanging out, drinking Mike's Hard Lemonade, and playing D and D. So it was kind of a kind of a quiet weekend. Uh, how'd you do? What, what you got? Uh, how, did you have fun? Yeah, I did. I did. Had a nice, uh, relaxing, you know, balanced uh, holiday season. You know, just uh, kind of putting the finishing touches on some things, uh, preparing some new things and then obviously having a chance to relax eat some good food spend time with the family so it uh, always goes by them two weeks go by very quickly but uh you try to put them put them to use the best as possible absolutely you know it's one of those things where it's like okay the, the holidays are just usually uh try to get as much work done as possible try to relax as much as possible and then you know once january 2nd hits you're like back on it so it's crazy it. <laughs> absolutely <Back on> it. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, now, obviously, because um, we, we were off last week, so I know you were out of town and um, obviously you had a great time. Um, so just out of curiosity, before we get into everything that happened uh, this week, um, what did you say stood out to you the most during uh, week 16, during the you know New, uh, New Year's weekend games? Yeah. So uh, actually, that was this past weekend. I know we uh, NFL switched to 18 weeks. So we just finished week 17. Yeah. Uh, New Year's uh, New Year's weekend. And I mean, by far, you know, this is obviously the elephant in the room. We, we can not move any further without uh lifting up our prayers you know lifting up our thoughts um definitely you know buffalo bills safety you know damar hamlin uh suffered uh passed out or, or went out on the football field that was the monday night football game against the cincinnati Bengals. that was actually the last game of week 17 and um so you know that by far was the most shocking most unexpected most interesting thing to take place on the football field um you know unfortunately we are still getting details i don't want to speak too much on it uh but the facts i believe that at least are out there that he suffered cardiac arrest during the game you know we've seen him make a tackle on the player it did not appear uh to be what is typically uh labeled a vicious or uh very hard hit uh you know he, he basically he kind of made a, a what we would call a standard tackle and uh when he got up off the ground i mean he just kind of wobbled for two seconds and passed out so uh at this point right now that we're doing this interview uh he is still in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Hospital. And uh, we are certainly just, man, keeping him uh, in our prayers and just really wanting for him to uh, pull through, really wanting for God to, to, you know, pull him through so that he can live. That was something, Vinny, that um, we've, we at least I've never seen on the football field. We've seen players get real serious injuries, uh, life, excuse me, career ending injuries. But uh, in the end, uh, the player on the field is conscious and we usually can get a thumbs up sign to just kind of let us know that hey, you know, regardless of how hurt I may be, uh, that thumbs up sign has become a sign to let everybody know I'm going to be okay. And then the game is able to proceed. In this particular case, we did not see that. And uh, it just sent chills, man, across the country, uh, especially seeing how shooken up the players were. You know, that's the first time I had I had ever seen that. So I myself, you know, am still a bit shaken up from the matter. And uh, again, just really hoping that uh, that DeMar Hamlin, you know, our prayers are with him. We are certainly wishing him and his family uh, that they can pull through this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we at the Boochcast definitely are. I know. Um, I remember uh, Zach called me and told me what was happening because I know usually I, you know, usually with everything I got going on, I usually try to catch the highlights of every game because um, I'm always like off working on other projects and stuff. And while I'm in the middle of something, Zach literally called me and go, "Dude, 
turn on like the football game right now and to see what happened and it was like and it, it was very much a shocker and I'm, I'm just glad uh, I mean obviously he's in critical condition but at least he's like the fact that he's like alive and breathing is at least a relief I think um, like obviously we're gonna we'll know more as time goes on and as he's recovering in the hospital we'll see what's going on and obviously we hope he recovers and gets back on the field soon because it's like it's one of those moments like regardless of whether you're a, whether you're a, a fan of the Bills or if they're a team you've hated for as long as you remember because all sports fans have that one team they just can't stand Th- this is one of those rare moments where it's like okay we're gonna put all that to the side because there's still a person on the field and he's seriously hurt and it's interesting to see at least for me not just not just players coming together because they all kind of understand that but like to see even fans kind of come together for that was I think kind of like an emotional moment it's one of those things where it's like it, it took you out of the game for a second so I thought that was interesting and and and, and this is just a question I have and I'm not trying to sound insensitive when I asked this question um I just it's just something that I thought was curious and I wanted to get your take on was a lot of people were talking about like the game getting postponed or the game getting canceled or rescheduled and everything else and and as horrible as this uh, moment was, that was the thing I thought that was the most confusing. Like, obviously, they stopped the game completely, which I thought was completely justified. I totally agree with that when I make that clear. As they were, like, res- you know, trying to resuscitate him, get him, um, you know, back up and everything. But then once he was in the ambulance and they got him off the field, um, I've never seen a game, like, stop like that completely. Because I've always known football to be, like, you know, it can be pouring down rain. There can be, like, three inches of snow. You know, play- like I said, we've seen players get hurt and taken off the field. And... The game continues, so I just want to know: did did you feel the game should have been can- should have been stopped right then and there? Or do you feel like they could have continued? Because I just I, I, I'm not, I'm not and I'm not saying one way or the other. I just thought it was odd. Like, how did you feel about the game stopping completely and being rescheduled, especially with the season almost over? I don't know how they would reschedule the game. Like, um, I don't know. Do you feel like they they they, they should have stopped the game, or do you felt like they could have kept the game going? No, absolutely not. You know, they did the right thing by stopping the game. This was a collective group effort. Uh, so I'm happy that there were a lot of um, not just business corporate minds uh, involved, but people who have hearts, people who have feelings, people who have consideration, people who understood that, you know, DeMar is a brother to those 52 other players, uh, a, a brother to his coaching staff, his family is in the stands. Um, so from a football standpoint, football was not a even thought anymore. This young man's life was hanging up in the balance and it was something, it was an anomaly. Again, I'm, I'm not sure, at least in my lifetime, um, I have not seen in an NFL game where a player leaves the field unconscious. Uh, where the players on both teams are that shaken up to where the game is stopped for about 20 minutes. Usually when a guy goes down on the field, it may be a five to 10 minute uh, break in the action, depending on what the injury is, how they need to get them properly uh, braced to basically be on the truck or uh, ambulance back uh, to the medical facility. But this was something that was totally different. They handled it the right way. Um, again, the only thing that, you know, like you said, complicates matters and that's, that's life. You know, you you have historic, you have once in a lifetime moments take place. This was it for me. Um, and it's just because of where we are in the season. Um, I don't think this game is going to be rescheduled, Benny. You know, I think that everybody's minds and hearts or spirits are with DeMar first. But I'm pretty sure, you know, that's their job, that the people in the NFL who handle scheduling and so on and so forth, you know, are probably just trying to figure out, I guess, um, how to address the matter in terms of, I guess, fairness to the teams involved, which would be 
see uh, right now as we stand. And the Buffalo Bills were the number one overall seed in the AFC. Uh, They had the same record as the Kansas City Chiefs, who were number two in the AFC. The Cincinnati Bengals had the third best record in the AFC at 11 and four. And so the reason that that Bills-Cincinnati game was so paramount is because with one week left in the season and the NFL's new playoff system, which has been in effect, I believe, two years now, maybe three, but there is now only one team that gets a first round by in home field advantage as opposed to two, how it was a couple years ago. And so um, not being able to have that game played really left those three teams up in peril, which is Kansas City was hoping that Buffalo would lose so that they could have an opportunity to win this week and get a first round by and have home field advantage. Uh, the Bengals were hoping to beat the Bills so that if Kansas City were to lose in week 18 and Cincinnati were, were to win, then they would leapfrog both teams because they've already beaten Kansas City once this season. They would have leapfrogged and had a first round by and home field advantage uh, for the Buffalo Bills if they would have beat Cincinnati and then won their game this week at home against the, excuse me, on the road against the, uh, at home against the Patriots, excuse me they have the number one seed in first round by so that is the thing that i'm pretty sure the nfl is trying to um figure out you know um how can they with this being the last week of the season the playoffs starting right the next week i mean realistically there is no room to replay this game i mean to be just completely honest and so no official word has come out yet again i think the proper respectful thing to do is keep our concentration all efforts hearts minds spirits prayers focus on Demar Hamlin and his family but I'm pretty sure the NFL is just trying to figure out how they will potentially receive backlash I think from more than anybody the fans I think the players understand I mean as a player if you're on Kansas City and you're feeling like man you know both of these teams basically let's talk about Buffalo Buffalo got to play one less game than us a game that they really could have lost and that cost us from getting a first round by and home field advantage so I think the Kansas City fans base is the one that the league probably is looking at the most because I think players in that Buffalo and Cincinnati game it doesn't really matter to them um so I think that's the thing that's tricky as far as the rest of the NFL goes everything is set but that Buffalo Cincinnati game uh was a really important game because it was going to factor into what team between Buffalo Cincinnati and Kansas City would ultimately get that first round by and have home field advantage in the playoffs so uh certainly a situation that they're going to have to figure out and I'm pretty sure they're trying to figure out how they can present this and put this out to the public to uh, receive as much as least uh, backlash as possible but without question there's going to be some exactly and, and that's and that's always the the thing that I always find interesting whenever there's a situation like this um, like in general and uh, as like as a wrestling fan the only reference I can come up with is like what happened with Owen Hart and when when they had the accident where he he, he had his his character was supposed to come down this was supposed to have this superhero gimmick and they had him set up to where he was going to lower from the rafters from the, of the of the arena and he was going to come down and be like a superhero coming down from the top of the building and then there was an accident the cable snapped and he fell and hit the ring and practically died on impact and then there was that awkward moment of do we continue the show do we not continue the show what do we do here everything had to stop and and Vince is kind of sitting in the back not knowing what to do and he and even to this day people have hated on him for this and have their own opinions but in the end Vince looked at everything like from from a standpoint of you know obviously they were checking on Owen and they were getting phone calls and updates throughout the show and giving updates throughout the night but Vince ultimately decided to 
continue on with the rest of the show. And so everybody had to go out. They they went out there, kept going, doing the best they can and to keep the show going. And obviously he got a lot of backlash from that. And then Vince's mindset was, you know, there were it was a pay-per-view. So it was like people had paid money to see this. He had a show that he advertised. And his mindset was, his, his mindset's always been, if I advertise something, I'm giving it to the people. So he went out there and did that. And to this day, people have their opinions on whether or not to do that. So I, that's why I always think, you know, no matter what decision you make, whether you continue a game or stop a game or whether it's a corporate thing or a human thing or whatever, there's going to be backlash no matter what. So you just got to hope that whatever decision you make, it becomes the right call in the long run, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think once, hopefully, we get word, we're really praying that DeMar uh, pulls through, then I think there is more to look at because I think the impression, um, the overall feel to the situation is that football was the cause of what happened to him. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of talks, a lot of efforts made for um, player protection, uh, especially in terms of like leading with the crown of the top of your helmet, um, launching, basically kind of kind of running at full speed and, and throwing your entire body force into a guy when he's deemed defenseless. Basically, he's not in position to protect himself. So there's a lot of protective measures. There's been a lot of obviously uh, parameters around uh, the dangers of football, the helmets they use, the high contact and collision. I don't recall the movie, if I'm not mistaken, within the maybe last five to seven years. I believe there was a movie that came out that talked about about, you know, maybe uh, the helmets that they wear or injuries in the NFL, something like that. I don't want to be too off key, but um, we've seen Vinny over the last, you know, four to five years, not just spreading it that fire could be sooner, just trying to stay factual as possible because I don't have any information in front of me. But we've seen um, a good amount of football players die while playing football, whether it was uh, dehydration, overheating, a heart attack. You know, I have to go. That's what was on my list to do today was to go pull up some Google um, articles, you know. Um, but we've seen players, uh, football players, and these have not all been NFL. You know, this may happen on a high school level. You may, you know, once or twice a year catch an article that in practice, you know, a college player, you know, passed out or whatever the case may be. So I think once we can get past the hurdle, and again, hopefully that hurdle is Demar Hamlin still being with us. I think there's some other things to look into because I'm not sure him making that play on the football field was the cause for the cardiac arrest. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it was. I think if any now because that's the thing that you look at. Like if anything else was going on prior to that, it could have just been like the last straw as far as his heart went. Like there could have been other things that could have caused it, but ultimately that one play could have been like. All right, everything leading up to that can't take no more. So that's always another factor to look into where was it just that play or did other things happen leading up to that play and that could be just be the final straw? Absolutely. I mean, you we here now, not even football related. You know, you'll catch news stories. You'll hear about somebody just dying in their night, dying in their sleep overnight. You know, somebody just having a heart attack, somebody, you know, having a stroke. And when you talk to their family or friends and they're saying, I, you know, I didn't know anything. You know, they were healthy as ox or they were, you know, they were perfectly fine or whatever the case may be. So I think that's going to be interesting. And, you know, like you said, it could be one of those things, you know, maybe um, not even speaking on DeMar for ourselves, you know, who knows that throughout the course of a day, anybody may feel something not quite right with their body. But, you know, if it's not extremely painful, if it's something that maybe comes and goes, it may be something that is serious. But, you know, because it wasn't long term 
anymore because it didn't cause you a lot of pain or stress, you know, you could overlook it. And like you said, it could be a sign of some type of health failure. So definitely, man, I, I think that um, it is something we just want to continue to pray about. But I think there's going to be a lot more talks, you know, about this um, after the game. And we'll certainly, um, when we come back next week, hopefully we'll be talking about, you know, him in a much better light. And um, yeah, man, seeing how things shake out. And so with that being said, I definitely want to uh, lead over to what did take place on the football field uh, in week 17. And we're pretty much to the part of the season now, Vinny, where uh, we know who's in, we know who's out with the exception of a couple teams. Uh, very interesting week around the NFL as always. I mean, that that is something about the NFL you truly enjoy. Never a dull moment. Certainly uh, things unexpected. A lot of things don't go according to plan. A lot of things do. Uh, anything catch your eyes, Vinny, uh, from week 17 around the NFL? Uh, yes. Uh, before we get to week 17, I did have a week 16 question that I wanted to ask because it pertains to something you talked about earlier about, about you know, certain tackles and how they're done. There, sure. there was a game between the Chargers and the Colts mm-hmm. uh, on the 16th, and there was a moment where James Jr., uh, I can't remember who it was that he tackled, but he tackled somebody, and then next thing I know, there was an unnecessary roughness penalty, and he was disqualified and kicked out of the game. Now, from the angle that I saw, and this is just me with my eyes, it, it looked like he just tackled him. Did I? Is there a reason he was ejected from the game? Did he tackle him in a way that was not appropriate? Because, like, again, from where the camera was showing, it didn't look like he, like, you know, killed the guy. Yeah, so the rules that the NFL has in place, uh, to, again, this is about player protection. What they've made an attempt to do is put rules in place. Uh, at this point, basically penalties. Sometimes a player getting ejected, which was in uh, the Los Angeles Chargers case. That was their safety, Derwin James Jr. Um, you may even get a fine. The purpose of this is supposed to be player protection. So what generally happens is when a player is attempting to catch a pass, at that point, he is looking at the ball. His arms are extended out away from his body to make the catch. And at that point, he is deemed defenseless. Basically, he is in no position to protect himself from an oncoming hit or tap. And so for the defensive guys, they have tried to put rules in place that stop the players from leading with the crown of their helmet, which means I don't want you basically uh, lunging at a guy with the top of your head into his body. Not only for that player's protection, right? The defenseless player, like if my arms are extended out away from my body, I'm looking back towards the quarterback. I'm not able to brace for a hit. I'm not even aware that somebody is coming full speed to put a hit on me and I don't have the ability to protect myself. Uh, But that hit also the crown of the head. uh, We spoke about the Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker, Ryan Shazier, who suffered a a career ending injury because of a, a, a hit where, and it wasn't even on on purpose, intentional, but the the top of his helmet crashed basically into another player's body, and it causes harm to the player making a hit as well. Uh, So, you know, those type hits, they're trying to keep away. They want players to lead defensive players when they're making a tackle to lead with their shoulder pads as opposed to their helmets to stop them from receiving any type of neck, uh, head, uh, vertebrae type injuries, and also to be able to allow for the player catching the football to not have such a heavy impact. 
um, the problem, and it's ironic that you brought this up, I would like to see the human element brought into sports a little more. They have these rules so concrete, night and uh, so concrete and firm that when you hear the announcers speak a lot of times, they'll say, you know what, technically by the letter of the law, if you look at how the rule has been made, then the referee did make the right call. However, we want the human element to be a part of it. And what's happening in a lot of these situations where uh, the referee is throwing a flag or penalty on a defensive guy for a helmet to helmet contact, you know, they don't want two helmets colliding. Obviously, that makes sense, right? People's brains, yeah. your, your heads are in the helmet. So they're trying to cut down on helmet to helmet collisions, guys leading with their helmets, guys leading with the crown of their head. And also when I use the word launching, uh, basically, uh, you're a defensive player is running at a very high speed and he goes and basically lunges, kind of takes off and throws his body into a guy who, again, at that point is not looking and doesn't have an opportunity to defend himself. The problem is happening and where I would like to see the human element, the common sense, the logic come in, especially since we have the ability now to replay uh, these things and get a good look at them. What I'm seeing a lot of times, Vinny, is the defensive player is making an attempt to lead with his shoulder pad but the offensive player once he gets his hands on the football he's the one who's bending his body down to basically brace for the impact is coming and that is what is causing 50 percent of these helmet to helmet penalty the defender you know you had to think about this they they make these rules as if these guys are running in slow motion and that they like have a remote in their hand to where they could freeze the game and perfectly angle their i mean your shoulders still attached to your neck your neck is still attached to your head so i mean it's difficult in full speed to try to do this perfect you know tackle and then the offensive guy i mean think about it when if if, if you if you when you watch a play and a receiver is being thrown the football he's looking back to make sure he can see the football get into his hands he is defenseless but he also knows that he's about to get hit so from the time that he catches or has the football in his possession the first thing that he's doing is basically crunching his body down or basically making a bending down motion to protect himself from an oncoming hit. And that is switching the angle that the defensive player is coming in. And so the defensive player is coming to hit you in the mid, mid chest or stomach area. But then when that offensive guy has the football and he bends down as well to protect himself, that is what is causing a lot of these hits. And in that case for Derwin James, uh, I think that's what happened. You know, I think a lot of times I don't recall the play um, clearly in my mind. I do remember the play totally. It certainly was a lot of uproar. I think sometimes uh, the guy, the way the guy's body reacts. Um, so I don't think it was worth a fine. Uh, excuse me. I don't think it was worth him getting ejected. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think a lot of these hits are dirty. It's a physical game. If you're a defensive guy, you know, I used to play defense and football. Not that you want to hurt anybody, but your job is to intimidate. Your job is to enforce. Your job is to, you know, um, make life uncomfortable for the offensive players you do want a guy to you know think second about coming into your territory you know you do want a guy you know to maybe have it in his mind you know the next time that I come across here yeah I'm gonna you know we use the term later wood yeah you are gonna take a big hit and so uh, as a defensive player I mean all the rules right now are really set to the offense's advantage it's a it's a definitely a a difficult thing to try to grab the horns on but that would be the only thing will be my recommendation is hey we have instant replay we're able to
able to get this thing right, if you're able to see that this guy, and don't get me wrong, some guys do forget, some guys do break the rules. There are certainly a lot of calls that are are certainly valid, not intentional, but the guy did, you know, lead with the helmet or whatever. But I would say it's half and half. I would say I'm seeing a lot of plays where when you look at where the defender is aiming, when the ball is in the air, and then you look at where he ends up making contact with the offensive player, it is because the offensive player has basically ducked and made an attempt to protect themselves. And that is where you are seeing those helmet to helmet injuries uh, uh, happen. Absolutely. And, and that was the other thing that I like was that, um, I, yeah, I didn't like, I, again, as, you know, as, as crazy as it was and the, 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 and even though like it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I didn't think the, I didn't think the ejection from the game is necessary because I don't think that James Jr. was trying to, I don't think his goal was to seriously hurt the other person. I think it's like right. you said, I think his goal was to tackle him, but the guy, made an adjustment as he caught the ball because I can't remember the guy who caught the ball's name so I feel like that was it so I was like okay I think the unnecessary roughness thing all right based on what I've heard I can I can believe that but yeah I thought that was a little extreme because to me to me some if someone's getting ejected from the game it needs to be for something that's like you know horrific like somebody smacks a dude upside the head or you know kicks the dude or after he knocks the guy down kicks him in the ribs or whatever like something that's really really like unsportsmanlike should get you ejected from the game I don't think unnecessary Necessary roughness is really a penalty that should get you ejected. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. And that's something I would definitely like to see the rules committee uh, visit uh, in the offseason along with, you know, we, we know we want them to the quarterback protected, but that's been another one this year where I've seen a lot of just horrible calls to where, um, I mean, man, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the defender is supposed to do. I mean, you look at these quarterbacks nowadays, um, these guys are super athletic. I mean, think about how big and athletic Josh Allen is, how slippery Patrick Mahomes is. I seen the game the, the other day when Kansas City was playing Seattle. And I mean, the players are all over Russell Wilson. He's still twisting and turning. They've got his leg. And so, I mean, you got to make a real concrete effort, you know, as a defender to bring these guys down. You know, Dak Prescott's not a not a little guy. You know, Tom Brady's 6'4". You know, these these quarterbacks are not, you know, little, little miniature guys who stand in one place. Lamar Jackson, very slippery. Kyler Murray, very athletic and so I would I would definitely like to see the rules committee revisit both you know just being able to um use some you use some human element use some logic and common sense and and apply intent right as you said you know if we can clearly see that this player is making an attempt to injure a guy fine but within the confines of football and and sacking the quarterback I mean the the defensive guy has to land too again they they act like they can you know make a tackle and then mid-air kind of jump off the quarter you know it, it's just it's just man I, I I would I would like to see them put on a demonstration show us exactly what you want this defensive player to do I think the other issue uh, uh Benny as well before we get into week 17 is as much as these officials are all trained the same they call things differently because it's how they see so you have a lot of uh fans who are upset because hey over in this game it wasn't called but over in this game it was called you know why why wasn't it called in this game but in this game they called it and so you know these referees a lot of times are the one who are making judgment calls on the spot and a lot of the times what they're calling you know is 
different from what so there's a lot of inconsistency and i'll say that for you another day but there's certainly a lot of inconsistency uh with officiating across the nfl and that makes it tough on the fan and the consumer as well uh when you're not seeing consistent you know calls called consistently across the board on the, on a weekly basis yes so i'll definitely talk i'll definitely uh talk about what i saw in week 17 although you did mention the seahawks and cheese i mentioned this briefly i this was like the first week and maybe it's because uh, i'm taking i'm so busy taking notes i don't catch it i, I the fact that there's a seahawks player named kobe bryant kind of makes me laugh i just want to throw that out there i was like i had to rewind that three times like did he say kobe bryant i was that was a new one for me i didn't know there was a football player named kobe bryant that was i thought that was kind of funny uh but in in week 17 i did notice like um the cowboys and the titans i thought was a great game although i although with this game and a lot of other games i noticed a pattern with quarterbacks lately um like prescott made this really weak throw at one point that was easily blocked i was like i feel like i was watching a Pop Warner game when I saw that, but I noticed a lot of times lately with quarterbacks, they're fumbling the ball, like not even, not even like getting tackled. Like literally, they go hike, boom, they're dropping the ball. Like I noticed that as a pattern with every. I don't know if you caught this too. Like almost every quarterback in every other game is fumbling the ball on the snap. And here's the thing: I've seen plenty of fumbles, and I understand how it happens. Someone's hitting you really hard, ball comes out of your hand, or sometimes you have, sometimes like it might slip out of your hands or whatever. But how do you fumble the football? when the guy is literally like handing it to you like i don't know like it's our i mean like i said maybe i never played football i don't know like is the is the snap like harder than it looks because it looks like he's just going here between my legs here you go like how do you i don't know how do you how do you fumble a snap that, that's weird to me yeah it, it just happens yeah, okay it, it happens uh, little league high school yeah it's one of those things i mean you know it, it may be six random times a season but just the human element that's all whether the center is uh, trying to, you know, uh, get to his block too quickly. Maybe the quarterback is pulling out too quickly. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's something that is very fundamental, uh, but it happens. It's certainly part of the game and uh, something that's going to always be a part of the game. You know, uh, just the human element, people not being perfect. doesn't take long, especially at center. You figuring it's, you know, he's the one that's got to really prepare because as soon as he snaps the ball, he's got a defensive player right across, you know, from him. And he's, our, he's in the trenches. So he's, he's big, you know, the majority of these guys are 300 plus pounds. So, you know, uh, it, not far-fetched to think that, you know, the center may, you know, not get that ball all the way up there. Again, maybe the quarterback pulled out too quick. Uh, man, we've seen sometimes the quarterback's hands are not always open. So, yeah, just the culmination between the two, uh, something that is is common, although it does not happen a lot. Yeah. And then, of course, um, one of my favorite parts of that game was uh, Henderson, like, tries to get the ball. He juggles it. And the way he, like, loses the ball, he practically threw it to Kevin for the interception. And I don't know why, but that reminded me of the water boy. Like, that scene where Bobby Boucher is, like, trying to go after number 62, and he ends up throwing the ball to him. Like, somehow, that popped into my head. I thought that was hilarious. Like, I had to rewind that back. Like, to me, that's going to be, like, a blooper reel somewhere in the NFL if they're doing a blooper reel for the season. Um, then, of course, there was a uh, with the Cardinals and the Falcons, I thought that was a great game. Um, Tyler Algier, like, this dude played very well. Like, he was a standout guy to me uh, throughout the game. Uh, I thought was I thought he was very well done. Richie Grant blocking the punt, I thought was great. Uh, the Falcons won a game, all right, which means that I think it's a New Year miracle. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, obviously, I think it's too late for the Falcons to do anything. If I'm wrong, correct me. Uh, but, I don't, I don't, uh, but I'm hoping that hopefully this is a start of, okay, we're actually going to have a great season soon because – 
uh, just the Falcons winning was a miracle on itself. And then uh, Kyle Kyle Duggar with the interception for the 39-yard touchdown during the Dolphins and the Patriots was great. Uh, I love how Jonathan Jones got an interception after it bounced off Tyreek Hill. Again, that was that stood out to me. Um, with the Saints and the Eagles, like Hill runs through everybody for a touchdown. AJ Brown with a catch from 76 yards, I thought was great. The interception from Lattimore. Um, just the and of course with the Colts and the Giants, Giants just dominated that game practically. I thought it was very very well done on their part. And um, and with the Panthers and the Buccaneers, I think Tom Brady and Evans were basically the uh, the dynamic duo of the game. Like I think that's what I thought was great about this was like Tom Brady has somebody else that he can work with besides Gronkowski. It's kind of cool. Like I feel like that's a I feel like that's a tag team that's gonna be like. If you know, definitely a force to be reckoned with in the future. Um, Broncos and the Chiefs. Um, finally, Russell Wilson wants to start playing. Uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I I miss Brett Ripien because and I, like that game on Week 16. I don't even want to talk about it. I still have nightmares. Uh, but it's nice to know Russell Wilson wants to finally start playing when we're about two weeks away in the season. Um, and I lo- and I know there's and I know uh I know Ju- uh Judy is trying to get everybody to rally behind Russell. And it's like, look, Judy, I admire the fact that you're standing by your quarterback. I ain't gonna judge you for it, but um, he gonna have he gonna he has to get his shit together in the off season because right now he has right now Broncos Nation has no faith in this man. It's like Shannon Sharp said, like pick him up, nope, leave him down, which made me laugh my ass off. Um, of course, uh, Swift running through everybody for the touchdown in the Bears Lions game. Jamal Williams was a beast throughout that entire game. That dude's a badass. I love him. Um, uh, Browns and the Commanders. What I love was um, I hadn't seen Peoples Jones do anything great, in a, uh, do anything crazy in a while. I'm not saying anything bad about him. I'm just saying in the highlights I've seen with Browns games over the last couple weeks, it's been a while since I've seen Peoples Jones with like touchdown catches or highlight moments. So I'm glad to see him again because he's one of my favorites that stands out to me. Then um, the Jaguars and Texans. Uh, Editing Jr. with a 62-yard run. Love that. Campbell recovering the football. Desmond came with the interception I thought was fantastic. Uh, the Raiders having the impressive opening drive against the 49ers. Um, I loved Devontae Adams' toe to stay in bounds for the touchdown. I, I love seeing people make catches like that where you think they're going to go out of bounds, then they do some kind of like ballet move or something like I That's how I be thinking. Like, do, do football, like, is that just something that football players do naturally or are they secretly taking ballet classes in the offseason? <laughs> I, I gotta know that because I'm like that's, that that toe thing is way too good. Like I know I know ballet dancers who can't pull that off, so that's kind of cool. I need to know I need to know if that's like a secret. Follow some follow some of these wide receivers in the off seasons. What I like to do, um, and then of course uh, Walker Jr. with an amazing run um, in the Jets Seahawks game. Diggs with the interception. I thought the quick pitch to Dallas was fantastic. Um, Vikings and the Packers. I liked um, when uh, the four the four Packers are like swarming Cook at one point, and I think Walker. And we were talking before about like unnecessary roughness and stuff. I love how Walker did like a world's strongest like slam or something like that. I couldn't tell if it was a if it was a if it was a sidewalk slam or something, but he definitely did a WWE style move. Like somebody, I think one of the commentators said, "I think that's a wrestling move." You were correct, sir. I can't remember who does it, but that definitely was a WWE moment right there. And uh, of course, the Rams charges seventy two yard run by Eckler was fantastic, and the Brown response Brown responds by running it in for a touchdown. So that was kind of a good back and forth. And then um, I thought. I like the source for the Steelers and the Ravens. Harris with the impressive touchdown catch and Pittsburgh with the interception confirmed the win. And those that's what stood out to me this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now just jump on your heels and we'll just touch on uh, the things that are relevant heading into the final week of the season. So as you started, we uh, Thursday night football, Cowboys able to get a tough victory on the road. 
uh, that win combined with the Eagles losing at home to the Saints. Uh, that has now left the door open for the Cowboys to potentially win the division. Uh, both teams must win this week. When you look at Dallas, they handle business. Nothing to talk about Tennessee down to a third string quarterback. Uh, Tennessee held their players out. So I'll kind of split it half and half. So when we look at it, things starting in the, in the NFC between Dallas and the Eagles. So uh, two weeks ago, Philadelphia had a two-game lead over Dallas. Jalen Hurts gets uh, the, the quarterback for Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts gets hurt. In the game against Chicago, misses the game against Dallas. Dallas wins that game, narrows it down to a one-game lead for the Eagles. Um, and then last week, the Eagles lost to the Saints at home. Second straight game that Jalen Hurts did not play. Um, Gardner Minshew and that Eagles offense was just flat. Uh, the Saints, they are a team who are true Jekyll and Hyde. Now, their season is done uh, by default of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning their game. But the Saints have been a team who have really been hard to figure all year long. Sometimes they're there. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes their defense plays well. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but their defense really had their way with, with Philadelphia this past week. And there was a key play in that game. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, the Eagles actually went ahead in that game 14 to 10. Uh, the touchdown was by running back Kenneth Gainwell. It gave the Eagles a lot of life. It would have really put them in position, I think, to kind of uh, take control of that game and there was a penalty call and the penalty was for holding and when they did the instant replay both announcers agreed that they didn't feel that it was holding and so again th these are the type of officiating uh, mishaps that happen that really change the outcomes of those games and so now with Philadelphia losing two games in a row they have to win this week in order to get the number one overall seed in the NFC which will give them a first round bye and all the games will be played in Philadelphia uh, or I should say Philadelphia Philadelphia will have home field advantage up until the point if they lose. Uh, so the elephant in the room now is, is quarterback Jalen Hurts going to play this week in order to secure that last win? Um, or are they going to take a chance with Gardner Minshew again? Uh, if the Eagles were to lose and the Dallas Cowboys were to win, then the Dallas Cowboys would win the NFC East and have the number one overall seed in the NFC get that first round by and have home field advantage. And so when we looking at the NFC this week, that is one of the biggest storylines and things we are looking at is that the Eagles need a win to lock up the number one overall seed. For whatever reason, if they lose and the Cowboys win, that number one seed will go to Dallas. Uh, we talked about just keeping in the NFC East. You talked about the way the Giants just steamroll the Colts at home. I would, I really wish the Colts wouldn't play another game this year. I, I, I've had it with them. I I'll just be completely honest. I mean, it, it's been a travesty. You think about two weeks ago, uh, you go out to Minnesota, you up through it 33 to nothing. You can't hold that lead. Uh, last week on Monday Night Football, for whatever reason, you bring Nick Foles out. He's an embarrassment. Uh, the Chargers come in there and wipe you all over the place. And then you go out here to the Giants. And I mean, the Giants are certainly a good football team, but it's just embarrassing. I don't know why we're, why we're uh, Colts fans are, are subject to having to watch uh, old Nick Foles play. And so they're an absolute embarrassment. As for the Giants, they went ahead and locked up their playoff spot. So that's a great feel-good story. Their head coach, Brian Dabble, who's in his first year, did an amazing job with pretty much the same roster and a healthy Saquon Barkley and was able to turn his Giants team around. And so the buzz in New York is very high uh, with the Giants making the playoffs this year. And that's going to be three teams from the NFC East that are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, just out of respect for our hometown Falcons, I think it was needed. Uh, feel-good feel victory. It could potentially be the last one 
one of the year. They do play Tampa Bay this week at home. I'm pretty sure nothing would be sweeter for the Falcons but to beat the Buccaneers, although I don't know how Tampa Bay is going to play their cards because with their win at home this past week against the Panthers, 30-24, to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers punched their ticket into the playoffs. And so all the other teams in the NFC South, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers are not going to make the playoffs. But again, the Panthers do come, excuse me, the Buccaneers do come here to Atlanta this week, this Sunday for the final game of the season. Uh, because Tampa Bay will not have a first round bye, I've heard that Tampa Bay plans on playing all their starters, but I would imagine at some point uh, they may peel those guys back uh, because they're going to have a playoff game next week. Uh, moving over to the AFC, and we'll kind of bounce back and forth. The uh, New England Patriots, uh, Miami Dolphins had another very tightly, closely contested game. The Patriots, as usual, able to take advantage of the Miami Dolphins' mishaps and mistakes. You look at that game, Miami quarterback Tua Tunga Tagovailoa missed the game again with a concussion. Um, so they were down to a backup quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. And this is the second time this has happened. So I, I, I don't know what's going on with the Miami uh, quarterbacks. But earlier this year, Tua Tagovailoa uh, left out of the game due to a concussion. Teddy Bridgewater came in and left out of the game with an injury as well. And that's what we've seen this past week in Miami, that, that uh, they started with Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. He got injured. They were down to their third string quarterback, Skylar Thompson. And it just wasn't enough left in the tank for Miami to get the win. So now with the Dolphins on a four game losing streak, I mean, this is a team that was seen as a Super Bowl contender, a team that a lot of people felt would be a threat. Uh, potentially to the Chiefs or the Bengals or the Bills in the AFC, that has completely diminished. They are a team right now that is no longer in control of their own destiny. But you know who is? Our guy, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. With that win this past week, they hold the keys to the final playoff spot in the AFC if they are simply able to get a win this week, which for them, unfortunately, is going to be a tall task because they are going to play the Buffalo Bills. And considering the Bills probably um, won't be playing this replacement game against the Bengals. They've had kind of two weeks to rest. I don't know where the Bills' minds are going to be, uh, again, with this DeMar Hamlin situation. But Buffalo, basically, in one less game play, they just need to win at home this week. If the Bills win at home this week against the Patriots, unless the NFL decides to reschedule that Bengals game or does something else with those teams' records, then the Bills, this week with the home uh, win this week against the Patriots, are going to have the number one overall seed in the AFC. That will afford them a first-round bye and also give them home field advantage up until the point they lose. If the Bills do win, the Patriots will be out, and then that will open the door for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, with their win last week, very quietly have just kind of hung around hung around, hung around. And with that win, they're now eight and eight. And so if the Patriots lose their game, that will open the door for the Steelers, who if they get a win, they can get in. Um, looking at the rest of the AFC, I believe the Jets uh, may be the other team who have an opportunity to get in if both the Patriots and, uh, oh, it's the Dolphins. I apologize. If the Patriots lose and if the Steelers lose, then Miami is the other team. So we're basically down to a three-team race for that final wild card spot between the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Steelers. And uh, it's going to be real interesting to see who grabs that final spot. When we dip back out to the NFC, the final playoff spot that is up for grabs is going to come down to another team who has lingered, started off the season very badly. Everybody counted them out. That would be one Mr. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And the way they just blew away to the, the Minnesota Vikings, let me just say, we've talked about the Vikings um, extensively throughout the course of the season. Uh, 
listeners of our shows, I know the ring bells when I say this to you, we've constantly talked about how the Minnesota Vikings are a team that nobody really fears, nobody really believes in. Uh, they won, what, 11 one-score games. We talked about how we did not know if that was a good or bad thing throughout the course of the season. But the flip side of that coin we talked about, they've been blown out on many occasions. I mean, embarrassing. You go to Green Bay, this is a division foe. This is the team that you go there once a year. You are very familiar with their players, their playbook, and you just get out-muscled like that. Uh, we've seen the Dallas Cowboys go to Minnesota and blow them away 40-3. to uh, We've seen the uh, Indianapolis Colts get up on Minnesota at home 33-0. to So to me, the Vikings are a team that are really. Uh, they're 11-4 record or whatever it is. There is nobody who is worried or fears playing the Minnesota Vikings at all. As for the Green Bay Packers, this is the opportunity that they've been waiting for. They simply need to win, and they are in the playoffs, plain and simple. But they've got a couple other people in their way. The Seattle Seahawks, the Detroit Lions. So Green Bay controls their own destiny. Again, a win at home against Detroit, they're in. But if they lose that game to Detroit, who also has an opportunity to get in the playoffs, that'll open the door for the Lions, and it'll also open the door for the Seattle Seahawks. Both of those teams need to win in order to get in. If Green Bay loses, then it'll come down to really looking at tiebreakers between the Seahawks and Lions. I do not recall if they played this year uh but that is how the bottom of the wild card race is looking in the nfc um the other exciting game that's going to be taking place in the afc this week that's the only unknown determined so as we come into week uh 18 Vinny, in the nfc what we do know is this dallas philadelphia the 49ers the vikings the hold on i apologize let me scroll back up okay so what we do know in the nfc we do know that philadelphia san francisco tampa bay and minnesota are the are, are in Dallas and the New York Giants are in as well. Dallas and Philadelphia, depending on what happens in their games, you could see them switch seeds. And then the final playoff spot that's up for grab has Green Bay controlling their own destiny. If they lose, Detroit or Seattle will get in. When we go to the AFC, again, we don't know at this moment that we're recording the show how things are going to shake out in the AFC. But as they stand, the Buffalo Bills would need a win at home to clinch the top seed in the AFC. We know that. Kansas City, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens are in. The wild card spot that is up for grabs in the AFC comes down to the New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The One of the most exciting games this week in the NFL has flexed their schedule, so we have a couple Saturday games. This is the final Saturday game, and we've got the Tennessee Titans, who decided to rest all of their starters last week, knowing they had to go to Jacksonville this week. Another one of our surprise teams. That's what we love about the NFL so much. Um, it's not like the NBA, where you know from the very beginning, for sure, these teams are in. Every year in the NFL, we have a couple new teams pop up that make the playoffs, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are a team that halfway through the season, like the Packers, like the Steelers, were left for dead, but were able to hang around enough and do enough. And so this week, the Houston, Te excuse me, the Tennessee Titans travel to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The winner of that game is going to win the AFC South and also have a spot in the playoffs. And so for all other teams that weren't mentioned, we'll talk about you after the season is over. But that is where we are in the season, Vinny, which is going to make for an outstanding final week of the season with so many unknowns still 
still left up in the air. Absolutely, and I think that's what's going to make this uh, week in football exciting. And obviously, it's um, for a lot of these, it's going to be a battle, and that's I think that's what makes football interesting. And uh, Lance, as always, uh, it's always great to have you on the show and uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. So, uh, real quick before we wrap up, where can people find you on social media? Yes, uh, if you're on Twitter, please go to at NFL Exporter. The spelling for that is N F L E X P. O-R-T-E-R. The spelling is the same on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash NFL exporter. The name should be for Lance Goodman. And then if you're on Instagram, the handle is at UFC. ATL. If you live in Atlanta, please make sure to give me a follow on the Instagram play page. Please latch on to the movement. We've got a uh, couple uh, more events uh, before the season is over, so we'd love for you to come down and have a blast. The handle, again, on Instagram is UFCATL, and that simply stands for Ultimate Football Club ATL. If you have any trouble, please hit my guy, Vinny Bushi up. He'll get you in contact with me. And as always, Vinny, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, really looking forward to an exciting week. There is no Thursday night football game uh, this week with this being the last game of the season. So we've got two games on Saturday, the rest of a full slate on Sunday. And then uh, when we talk this time next week, we'll be talking playoff matchups. Sounds good, man. And absolutely. So uh, once again, Lance, uh, thanks again for uh, being on the show. We'll definitely talk about uh, next week. We'll definitely get together and uh, talk about the playoffs. Okay, absolutely. Thank you. Have a great week as well. All right. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content, and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Uh, we've got our episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the 90s coming out. Uh, actually, today, um, it's, we actually have our newest episode, uh, Grunge and the Seattle Sound. I know yesterday I said A Tale of Two Cults. It's because mentally I was not in my right state of mind and I forgot the order in which the shows go. So yes, it will be Grunge and the Seattle Sound dropping today at 2 p.m. on the Boochcast YouTube channel. We have episodes scheduled all the way up to February 9th. Uh, we got two episodes already recorded. They're going to be added to that list and we're hoping to get all of them done very, very soon and up there to the YouTube channel. So subscribe to check them out. And of course, be sure to follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 28th for the WWE Royal Rumble. This is going to be the first stop on the road to WrestleMania and we'll be checking out the women's and men's Royal Rumbles to find out who will be main eventing nights one and two of WrestleMania 39. We also have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special treat in the works. You can also support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We make sure that our offers are budget friendly. Our first level is 99 cents, $1 per month. Our second level is $4.99. $5 per month. And our third level is $9.99, $10 per month. So the minimum number is $1. The maximum number is $10. 
and five dollars in the middle so pick the one you like the best and help us keep the bootscast going and thriving to continue to bring you guys more entertainment and information you have the option of paying with a credit card or with gpay and the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity we use the money to upgrade our equipment we use it to bring in bigger name guests pay the bills and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the bootscast a success so if you got a favorite co-host and believe these are to be paid for their hard work anchor.fm slash the bootscast slash support is how you make that happen and until next time this is Vinny bucci aka the booch saying keep on living life and take care this has been the Boochcast. we'll talk to you guys next time until then pizza baby well i see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye goodbye so long so long farewell farewell adieu adieu be good stay well bye bye keep warm relax Eddie. take care stay loose adieu bon vieux a la prochaine goodbye till when we meet again